Pastor Larry this morning is actually in Iowa visiting his mother on vacation. Um, So I'm honored to be back here again with you this morning as we're going to pick back up with the second part of our series called The Best News I've Ever Heard. It reminds me of a story I once heard of a church in the Midwest. And one day they received a phone call and the receptionist picked up to an elderly lady on the other end of the line. And the lady said, I'd like to speak to the head hog in charge of the trough. And the receptionist kind of taken aback, excuse me? You heard me, young lady. I'd like to speak to the head hog in charge of the trough. Kind of not knowing how to answer this, the receptionist responds and says, well, I'm sorry, ma'am, if you're referring to our senior pastor, we don't call him a hog. And he's unavailable at the moment. Can I take a message? To which the lady kind of paused for a minute. and She said, well, I don't care what you call that old boy. Can you tell him that his ministry check for $30,000 is now ready? To which the receptionist immediately replied, you know what, ma'am, hang on one second, Porky just walked in. (laughs) Now, I don't know if that's the greatest news that that church had ever heard, getting a check for $30,000, but it's a similar experience that we all have in our lives, where just somewhere out of the blue, you hear a piece of news, or you hear something in your life that is the best news that you've ever heard. And a lot of times we fail to recognize these moments because we're so busy in our lives, we just brush straight past them. So what I want to do before I even begin this morning is if you take a look at your notes outline, there's two lines towards the very top. And I just want you to think real quick, what is the best or the greatest piece of news that you have ever heard? Maybe it's that you overcame an illness. Maybe it's you got approved for a loan or a mortgage or a scholarship. Maybe you got into the college of your choice. Maybe it's the fact that you had a child. You know, who knows what it may be, but what is that greatest piece of news that you were not expecting to hear, but still just one day out of the blue got it? And it may not come to you right away. It may come sometime throughout the lesson this morning. So I just encourage you, when it does come, just to write that down in that space. And then when you're fellowshipping with each other in the courtyard after the service, I encourage you to engage one another and ask, what was the greatest news you've ever heard? Because we want to share and the triumph and the joys of each other. But you know, there is one piece of news that every single one of us does have in common that should be somewhere up there in the very top. And that piece of news is that we have access to the power of God when we believe in Jesus Christ. And it's such a profound and powerful statement that we have access to the power of Jesus Christ when we begin to accept him and understand who he is and how he works in our lives. You know, a question that I get asked every now and then as a youth pastor is, you know, Matt, how is the power of God manifested in our lives today? You know, we talk about a man who walked on the earth 2,000 plus years ago in sandals, but how is that made relevant to me sitting here in this church today? How is that made relevant in my life and the culture that I exist today? And I love that that question because it is a phenomenal and a very important question to ask. And the Bible actually has a lot to say about this. And one of the best passages I can find comes from the book of Acts. And so we're going to be reading in just a moment from Acts chapter 10, if you want to turn in your Bibles or your tablets or whatever it may be. But in this passage of Acts, we see just exactly what this power that we're talking about this morning is all about. And how Jesus got it and what he did with this power and why it's important to us. How it's made real in our lives today. So if you'd follow along with me, it's going to be up here on the screen as we read. It says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation 
the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. And it continues on and it says, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit in power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. What an amazing mission statement of God. This tells us exactly who Jesus was and why he came and what he came to do. Summarizing it, it says that the power of God in Jesus allowed him to come and do good and to heal every person who found themselves under the control of the devil. You see, when Jesus came to earth, he didn't have a lot of fame. He didn't have wealth or money or any of these things. But when Peter talks about him, he says he came with power, a power that could bind the brokenhearted, a power that could restore the lost, a power that could give hope to the hopeless. And so this morning, what I want to look at is what exactly this power is all about and how, once we get to know what this power is, how does it selfishly, how does it benefit us? What are some benefits that we receive in knowing Christ and getting to partner in the power that God has given to him? And so we're going to look at four of them this morning. If you look at your outline, here's the first one. The first benefit is you get acceptance from God. You get acceptance from God. You know, many people think that they can't have an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ because of the things that they've done in their past. That because of the sins or the actions or the things that you have done in your life, it would prohibit anyone from ever wanting to associate with you or to help you or to work with you to overcome something, especially God himself. But you know what, folks? That couldn't be further from the truth. And the scriptures tell us again and again and again about how God wants to help accept you and to bring you into his fold. And one of the, the best scriptures I could find from this actually comes from the gospel of Mark chapter two. And it says this, it says, when Jesus heard this, he told them healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. My version was a little bit different than your version was. But that's what it really came. Have you ever listened or read that passage before? It's such an important and a powerful passage. It says that Jesus didn't come to teach, to preach, and to heal the people that already know him, have a fellowship, and have everything going right in their life. It says, no, he came to seek. He came to find, to reach out to the people who desperately needed him the most. People who are in need of salvation who are in need of forgiveness, who are in need of deliverance, who are in need of acceptance in their life. And you know what? Maybe you're sitting here in church this morning looking around saying, well, that's great, Matt, but I'm never gonna be as spiritual as the people around me. I'm never gonna have that connection that they do. Well, I hate to break it to you, but this church, this body of people in this room is made up of a group of people who know they don't have their act together. It's made up of a people who know that we are sinners by our very nature, who know that we are not perfect and that we are doing the best that we can to move towards a more intimate relationship with Christ. That's every single one of us in this room. Nobody's perfect. Nobody has their act together. And if you think that you have your act together, that everything's fine and that you're the perfect Christian, then you may feel a little bit uncomfortable this morning. 
one of my favorite things that I, I've heard so much is that, well, I don't go to church because it's full of heretics. It's full of hypocrisy within the church. And I would just love to respond, well, then you should come because we've got room for one more, right? But I don't, I hold my tongue, but that's really what it is. That's why I love this church is because we are a group of people who are not expected to be perfect, but what we are expected to do is to seek after God to work towards having a loving relationship with him, knowing that we aren't perfect and still knowing that God accepts us anyway, that God loves us anyway. The Lord rewards our sincerity when we truly seek after him. And he doesn't care about what's in your past. He doesn't care about what sins you've committed. He doesn't care what you're hiding in that closet because he already knows what's there. And yet he still wants to accept you despite of whatever that may be. You know, if I could give an analogy of God's grace and his acceptance to us, I'd like to say it's a little bit like an elevator. And I would assume that most of you have probably had an encounter with an elevator at one point in time in your life. And if you haven't, I don't want to ruin that joy for you, but it's just like everything else in life, it has its ups and downs. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I know that was bad. All right. So, but the idea of this is it's just like an elevator. And I am willing to say that you have never stood in front of an elevator. And when you push the button and the doors open, before you enter, you say, elevator, what floor did you come from? I have never met a person who says, hey, well, wait a second. This elevator just came from the sixth floor. I can't ride this elevator because I don't associate with elevators that come from the sixth floor. No, all that we care about is that if we're going up, that the elevator has that little green arrow that points up. And if we're going down, the elevator has the green arrow that's pointing down. And the same thing is true with God. God doesn't care about your background. He doesn't care about your past. He doesn't care where you've come from. What he cares about is the condition of your heart and where you're going from here. Because he wants to help you get there. And one of the most profound things that we could ever get from this is that God still wants to accept you even when you won't accept yourself. You know, deep down inside of each of us, there's two fundamental psychological roots. One of them is the need to be in control from time to time. And the second one is the need to feel a sense of belonging, to feel like you fit in, that you're a part of something bigger, and that you're accepted in certain places. And we know this is true because we work a lot of our lives to make this a reality, where we change the way that we dress, we change the way that we speak, the people that we hang out with, the things that we eat, the places that we go. And sometimes we even bend over backwards and we compromise what we know to be true, what we know to be morally right just to fit in with a crowd. But God says, no. He says, I never wanted you to do that because when you do it, it pushes you further and further and further away from me. And that's why he says back in that passage of Acts, he writes and he says that God doesn't show favoritism, but he accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. See, God wants to accept you. God wants to accept me. He doesn't care about what's in the past. He's already accepted us. And all he asks is that we do what's right from this point forward. And that's one of the greatest benefits that we get from having the power of God manifested in our life. But it only comes when you truly get to know who Jesus Christ is and share in this fellowship that he wants to freely give to us. But that's not the only benefit. There's a couple more. Here's the second one if you look at your outline. The second benefit is peace for your mind. It's peace for your mind. You see, God always wants to give you peace when you're burdened, when you're stressed, when you're weary, when you're tired, when you're worn out. 
And that's why he says in the gospel of Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. See, God, he wants to give us peace in the midst of our storms. He wants to give us peace in the midst of the trials of our lives, in the hardest moments that we spend stressing and worrying about everything. And it's true that we spend so much of our lives worrying and fretting over things that don't even really matter. One of my favorite quotes on worry says this, worry doesn't rob tomorrow of its sorrows, it robs today of its strength. And I like that quote because how difficult is it to find peace and rest when you're just so stressed out, when you're so burdened, when you're so anxious, when you're so afraid of everything that's going on in your life. It's so difficult to find that. And that's why he says, come to me and I will give you the rest that you need. And it's not just any kind of normal peace and any kind of normal rest. It's a spiritual, it's a physical, it's an emotional, it's a psychological rest. It's a rest that only he can give to us. And I don't know about you, but I desperately need that kind of rest in my life. You know, over 2,000 years ago, there were these 11 guys, just normal everyday life guys who called themselves apostles. And because of the faith that they had in Jesus, they were able to move mountains. They were able to heal the sick and just do miraculous thing after thing after thing. And every single one of these guys believed that they would see Jesus come back to the earth before they died. But we know from scripture that that didn't happen. Can you imagine the disillusionment and the fear and the worry every single one of these guys faced as they're being confronted with martyrdom? How they're about to be slaughtered. They're about to be killed or tortured for their faith. And they're lying awake at night thinking, what have I done wrong? Did I misunderstand something? Did I get this wrong? Like I thought I knew everything that was here, but obviously I don't because I find myself in this situation and yet God still hasn't come back. Can you imagine the panic and the worry in their lives? But if I were to bring any of them back, and have them come up here and give their testimony this morning, I guarantee you every story would sound the same. They'd say, yes, I was afraid. Yes, I was panicked. Yes, I was worried. But in the midst of all of these things, God gave me a peace that surpassed my understanding. God gave me something that I've been looking for my whole life, and it was the completion of my heart, a peace that allowed me to stay calm in the situation at hand. And you know what, folks? Maybe some of you this morning, you desperately need that peace in your life. This morning, this month, this year, whatever it may be. A peace that only God can give to you. Or you lie awake at night and you think, how on earth am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to reconcile this fighting, this arguing, bickering between my parents or between my kids or my coworkers or just at my work in general? And I am just as guilty of this. I lie awake sometimes at night and I think, how on earth am I going to fix this? But therein lies my problem, because I can't fix it. The only person who can fix it is God. And it's in those moments when I start to pray, God gives me a peace that surpasses my understanding, because I don't know how things are going to work out. I don't know how he's going to provide. I don't know how the situation's going to solve itself. But what I do know without a doubt is that my God is faithful to provide. And it's that peace that allows me to stay calm. It's that peace that allows me to continue to function because it's a peace that only God can give you because he is the Prince of Peace. And that's one of the other greatest benefits that we have. But there's more. Here's the third one. The third one is he wants to give you a healing for your body and your soul. 
See, God has always had compassion on those who are suffering both emotionally and physically. And God always wants to comfort and he wants to heal his people who are physically suffering or they're downtrodden or depressed or whatever's going through their lives. And we see this all over the place in scripture. In Exodus 15, it says, I am the Lord who heals you. In 1 Peter 2, it says, by the whippings that Jesus received, you were healed. In Psalms 107, it says, he sent his word and it healed us. You see, when the gospels describe the ministry of Jesus, we always see him going somewhere to heal someone or he's there actively healing someone or he's just come back from healing someone. You see, by the very nature and character of who God is, he is a healer. And we see this all over the place in scripture. And one of the best examples of the healing ministry of Christ comes from Matthew chapter 14. It says this, and when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. This certain passage has one of my favorite Greek words, and the Greek word is splachnitzomai. I know it sounds really weird, it's a mouthful, right? But splachnitzomai, and it's that, that idea of being moved with compassion. What that phrase means is it's literally a churning of your inner bowels to where you kind of have to keel over in pain. It's like when you eat a really bad burrito and you feel it a couple hours later, you're just like, oh, right? That inner gut feeling that's just unsettling. When Jesus got there and he saw the amount of people who were sick and hurting, he keeled over in pain because it physically hurt him to see his people suffer. You see, Jesus was, and he still is concerned when his people suffer and he wants to provide healing. He wants to provide rest and deliverance from all of these things that you're experiencing. And it's not just a temporary healing. It's a healing that goes far beyond the here and now. It's for the body, for the spirit, and for the soul. It's every single part of you that he wants to heal. And this reminds me of a story from the gospel of Mark chapter two, and maybe some of you are familiar with this story. But there's these four guys who, they have a friend who's a paralytic and they love their friend. They hear that Jesus is in a distant region or in a nearby region and he's preaching, he's teaching, and he's healing people. And because they love their friends so much, they say, well, he's a paralytic. He can't get himself there. Let's take him to Jesus to be healed. So they pick up their friend on a mat and they travel all the way over to where Jesus is teaching. And we don't know exactly how far the distance was. It could have been a couple miles. It could have been up the street. But that's not the point. When they finally get to this house, it is packed like sardines. It's five, six, seven, eight people deep, even on the outside of the house. And they're trying to weasel their way through the crowd with their friend, trying just to get close enough to have the friend be in the presence of Jesus to receive healing. But nobody's willing to move even an inch. Not even the people who should be moving, like the priests or the leaders or the people who know that this man needs healing. And so kind of in a moment of defeat and panic saying, well, what do we do from here? We're not just going to walk him back home after giving him false hope. They come up with this brilliant idea and they say, you know what? We think the owner of this house needs a new skylight. And so they climb up on top of the roof and they drag their friend up there, which is a feat in of itself. And they get up there and they mark off the spot where they think Jesus is teaching and they just begin ripping apart the roof. And I'm sure Jesus is up there and he's teaching the people and like dust starts falling. He's just like, that's weird, right? It's like, all right. And also like hay starts falling down and larger chunks are falling down around him. And it probably didn't take too long for the apostles and the disciples there to say, you know what? We know what's going on. 
Jesus, if you want us to remove these people, just let us know and we'll, we'll yank them down. Or can you imagine the homeowner sitting there saying, what the heck is happening right now, right? In a state of panic. But the story is great. They finally, they break through the roof and they lower down their friend. And when they lower him at his feet, Jesus says something so profound. He says this, when he saw their faith, he said to the young man, your sins are forgiven. I can just imagine his four friends like peering over the roof, like, what did he say, (laughs) right? Like, did he just say his sins are forgiven? Is Jesus blind? Can't he see this guy is paralyzed? Can he see this guy has a physical ailment? What does he mean his sins are forgiven? I don't understand this. We came for a healing, not some forgiveness of sins. But you see, the Lord knew exactly what was wrong with this man. The Lord knew that there was something greater at risk in this man's life. And it was that a barrier had to be broken before any physical blessing or healing could come to him. Something had to change in his lives. And I think that's why a lot of times we don't see this end result that we're looking for. Because there's something in our own lives that prohibit us from getting into the presence of Jesus Christ. Where we seek his help, we cry out, we do all these things, but we're unwilling to really bring what's on our heart, the deep, dark secrets before God and say, God, before I need healing, I need to ask for forgiveness and healing from these things. Going back to the story, when Jesus says this, the crowd kind of erupts. They're like, whoa, 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 who is this guy who says he can even forgive sins? This guy's supposed to be healing and teaching, not forgiving sins and doing all of this stuff. So to somehow kind of quiet the crowd and bring down this riot, he says, you know what? Just to show you that I not only can forgive sins, but I also can provide healing, a physical healing for this man. I'm going to say to you, young man, get up, take your mat and walk. And this man just erupts off his feet, jumps up in the air, right? Grabs his mat and just like books it out the door real quick. And the crowd just goes crazy cheering in this moment. But you see, the power of God recognizes when there's something in your life that has to be removed first before any healing can happen. And maybe it's the sinful things that exist inside your heart that prohibits you from experiencing God's healing, God's blessing, his mercy, and his grace in your life. And you have to be willing to bring the condition of your heart before the Lord before any physical healing can happen. That's what the power of God can do. And it may be that God heals you instantaneously. Maybe he takes you through a process. But regardless of what way it's done, we need the power of God and this divine intervention that can be the only thing that provides the healing that we need. It's a healing not just physical, but it's a healing that also gives us the forgiveness of our sins. The last benefit that I want to look at this morning is this. He also gives us deliverance from the destructive patterns in your lives. You see, the Lord heals all of us, all of those people who find themselves under the control of the devil. Maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe it's self-identity. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's an addiction like drugs or alcohol or porn or cheating or lying or stealing or covetousness or adultery. Maybe murder. Who knows what it is? And maybe you think because of these things, because of the power that the devil has on you and these sins, that they control you, that they chain you, and you're so tightly chained by these things that there's no hope for you. But God gives us a promise in his word that he gives us deliverance because our God is a deliverer. He is a redeemer. He is a forgiver. He is a healer and he is a rescuer. And there is no chain that is more powerful than the strength of God. 
It doesn't matter what it is in your life. God just walks up and snaps and it breaks free from your life. He sets it free from you. And it doesn't matter if you're lonely and depressed or if you're some gang member who's been out murdering people. God says, I have something so important for your life. I have something so amazingly designed for you, just for you. And I'm not gonna let anything come in the way of that. But you have to be willing to allow your heart to be changed. You have to be willing to allow me to work in your life. And maybe you're facing one of the most difficult scenarios of your life. Maybe you're one of the most toughest seasons that you've ever experienced before and you think there's no way out. But God says, no, I'm gonna be there every step of the way and provide you deliverance from whatever it is that you think is holding you back. He wants to give us a new, fresh start in him. In first, or I'm sorry, in Ephesians chapter four, it says this. It says, put off our old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the, old, the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He says, I've already paid and I've already broken those chains of your old self so they don't hold you back. They don't hold you down. Be set free from them and experience this new life. And if you're worried that temptation will overcome you, well, check out what he says in 1 Corinthians. He says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he also provides the way of escape. You see, God always has a way of escape for you. God wants to deliver you and offer you that healing and that forgiveness and that redemption. And it's part of his power and we only get it when we truly get to know who he is. So maybe today you wanna make a new decision, a decision to follow Christ or a decision to begin a new life or just to, to have some kind of new understanding or fresh start. And if that's you, I'd encourage you to mark it down on your response card. Maybe you've got some chains in your life that need to be broken. Maybe you've got a specific prayer request you've been wanting to write down, but you're too afraid to put it on a piece of paper. Maybe there's something that's holding you back from truly experiencing God. Maybe you want a new start, a fresh start, a new newfound belief and freedom in Christ. And if that's you, I encourage you, don't walk away from the offer that God has for you this morning. He's laid it on the table and he says, it's free for you. It's my power. And it's free. All you've got to do is accept it and take it. Don't walk away because this is a moment when God can change your life for the better because he wants to give you acceptance, a permanent place to call home and feel welcome. He wants to give you peace in the midst of a world that's chaotic. He wants to give you healing in a world that's full of illness and sinfulness. And he wants to give you deliverance from whatever it is that's preventing you from having an authentic relationship with him. He wants to provide that rescue. The question is, are you willing to reach out and grab his hand back? Would you join me in prayer as we close? Father, I ask, Lord, today that, God, that your salvation would come to everyone, wherever they work, wherever they live, wherever they go. God, I pray that you would just redeem everyone who desires to have that redemption from you in their lives. God, you have not come simply to heal those who are healthy, but those who are sick those who truly know that they need you. God, I pray today that you would just, that you would just be in their lives, that they would make the decision to follow you in your mighty name and accept your power. 
And God, I pray for peace, peace that passes all of our understanding. God, there are people here who maybe have walked with you for years, but they desperately are in need of your peace. God, I also pray that you just speak healing, healing into the souls and the bodies of those who desperately need your intervention. God, bring deliverance to everyone who finds themselves in bondage. God, I pray in your name that you would bless them, that you'd prosper them, that you'd raise them up. God, you'd give them favor, you'd give them grace. God, that you'd be with their children and their children's children for a thousand generations and that the blessings of you would fall upon this place. God, we thank you so much for them. In your mighty name, all of God's people said, amen.